G, but I've been low key, hated on by most of these niggas with no cheese. Welcome back, welcome back. It's the Deep Cover Podcast. Um, you know, we shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step two. It's been too long. We took a long breakout, uh, a long time off, but uh, I'm back. It's me, Mike Crawford, Chris Aguilera, Carrie Stevenson. Um, I'll check in on the guys. We have a very, very special guest. So I'm going to go to the guys real quick, introduce our guests, and then we're just going to get right into it. So, um, Chris, let me start with you. How you been, man? I'm good, man. I missed you guys. I'm not just saying that. I, I really did miss you guys. And and you know the conversations that we have both about football and about life, and I'm I'm glad we could be back. Yeah, man, it is good to be back. Kerry, how you been? Uh, I've been good, man. Like I um, like Chris said, is you know good to be back in each other's presence. Um, you know, just been spending time trying to collect my thoughts since the last pod, and you know I appreciate the feedback and just how many people listened to that episode. And I think we all kind of went through our own things, uh, you know, uh, separately to kind of work ourselves back into this space. And, um, you know, I'm glad we are where we are right now. Yeah, and I appreciate both of you guys. I, You know, we, we talk, so you guys know how I feel, but I, I want to put it out there on the record. I appreciate you guys giving me the time and the space to do that because uh, I wasn't in a great place mentally and I wasn't sure, you know, if I wanted to even do this stuff anymore. But you guys, you know, as you've always done supportive, encouraging, just let me kind of figure out my way through it. But now we're back. So with all that said, let me introduce our guests. Um, so we've been wanting to do uh, a more fantasy sort of heavy show for a while now. Um, you know, we obviously we're Ravens focused and we, we talk about that, but we, we've been wanting to do this for a while and we've been off. Who better to come back with than one of the best, I think, uh, in the industry, in my opinion, um, you can find his work at, you know, the RSP.com. He's a creator of the RSP. Uh, you can listen to his pod, uh, RSP Cash. You can find his work at Football Guys. I, it, there's probably tons of other stuff that I'm forgetting, but you know, it's Matt Walt. You know who he is. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, man, it's an honor and a pleasure. And I'll just put this out here if you all don't know that I've made a standing offer to Michael that if he ever wants to write for me, that he can. So it's just a pleasure to be on this show with you guys. Thank you. Thank you, man. I've, I've always been humbled by that. As you know, I'm too lazy to write anymore. I like to just do so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, even I appreciate the offer. I just, I just got to be real. It's much easier. I, it's all right. I got to win the lottery to make it make it compelling. So <laughs> Every, everybody has a price, that's including me, including. Me. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's awesome to have you on. And, uh, you know, we this has never been for us, never been a purely football show. It, it certainly probably won't be a purely fantasy football show. We'll probably swerve off the road in a couple other areas as we go along. But um because we are, you know, on the on the cusp of the season, it looks like we're going to actually start the season. You know, we, we can get into, you know, some some of that stuff about <laughs> where we finish the season and what it's going to look like. But it looks like we're going to start it. Um, so at least we'll at least tackle some of the fantasy stuff early on uh, just to kind of get that out there and, and then see where else we go. Um, so one of the things I, I I'll, I'll throw this out to you, Matt, first, since since you're our guest and, and then, you know, the other guys can touch on it, too. I think this is kind of the overarching thing, right, over everything, obviously, right now is coronavirus. And so what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, how that plays into fantasy players approach to the season? Does it change anything at all for them? 
uh, with, uh, you know, the, the uncertainty that's kind of in, you know, weave throughout this whole thing? Or do people still just kind of approach it as business as usual? I think that's a really difficult thing to project because you have these wild ranges of of ideas, which is it's going to be business as usual, so don't overthink it because they're going to you know try and figure things out. People are going to try and stay strict to their routines so that they can limit the, their exposure to the idea that the NFL doesn't even know what they're getting into in terms of this grand experiment, and if they're not going to have a bubble – that you know, you think about the you just from a common sense perspective, you think the the big uglies in the trenches are the most likely to get the um, to to have the the major exposure. So you'd have to think that you know that we're going to have some issues with line play, um, which could affect running back production. Uh, time quarterbacks have receivers downfield and vertical game. So then you could start branching off in areas of like. Who do I want as my quarterback? Probably guys who are used to not dealing with good offensive lines anyway. Maybe it's an even better year for Russell Wilson in terms of wanting to have a guy who's at least used to having to like buy time and be able to make positive plays on a more improvisational level because his offensive line isn't that great. Um, so you look at a guy like that compared to maybe if Tom Brady is as much as I project good work from him and rebounding with that great talent he has around him, if you know, two or three guys from his offensive line aren't playing that week. Um, it, you you kind of have to, as good as he is moving around the pocket, um, you got to have some semblance of a pocket to move around him. So you start wonder, making kind of decisions about that. It, it, but I think the most common sense thing to look at is overall is just to be aware of players, especially at running back, wide receiver, and tight end, who are maybe on the the cusp of making a roster or on the, on the practice squad, or maybe just missed getting on the practice squad who've worked during the summer with the team and are street free agents because they might get called up to play. And that may mean you need to know a little bit more about these rookies and a little bit more about these street free agents who've bounced around a little bit and understand where they could fit because I'd have to think that offenses are probably going to simplify their approach if they have to use some guys in that capacity um, where they say, okay, well, they're familiar with what we do. These are the types of things that we're going to try and do to leverage their skills. But at the same time, you don't want to just go for guys with sole physical skills. Cause if you, if some team gets kind of silly and picks a four, three wide receiver, who's unbelievably fast, but can't run a route and can't catch contested balls, um, then they probably made a mistake compared to, you know, say the team that picked the running back who doesn't have four three speed, maybe has four seven speed or four eight speed, but he's quick enough. He understands how to run outside, you know, inside zone and knows how to run, you know, gap schemes pretty well. And maybe their team does a mix of the that inside work and he can pass protect. Well, you know, or at least he can break tackles and he can get what you need from him maturely. I'd probably rather have that guy than the athlete people are gonna ooh and ah about. So Things like that, I think, are going to be the most you're going to have to concern yourselves with is the on the occasion where we get players that may seem like we're in a strike year or something and we're getting guys off the street who are getting their chance. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense to me. And it's it's something that I've been thinking about. And you you pretty much just explained is that this this may be a year more than than any other where, um, you know, veterans or kind of young veterans who kind of been on the fringe, like you said, um, you know, might might have more opportunities and really just that whole thought of guys who are ready to play. Right. You have guys that are ready to play. They understand 
um, the playbook. They understand their technique. They understand their assignment. You know, are they most physical gifted guys in the world? Maybe not, but they're ready to play. Um, and, and, you know, those those guys might see some more opportunities. But, Kerry, let me go to you on that. Um, so sort of this, this overarching theme again about uh, the pandemic and how that, if at all, uh, affects the fantasy landscape from your perspective. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, one is kind of roster construction, um, you know, tight end being one of those onesie positions. That's something that I usually only I really want only want to carry two of in a, um, you know, standard redraft uh, situation. Um, but now it's just kind of like, do I have to add to that, you know, to give myself buffers in this, you know, unknown in- environment? Um, this is probably kind of the perfect year for that, because, I mean, tight end is as deep as I could, you know, remember. So it's a situation where, you know, maybe you can stand to um, just kind of take three later, you know, mid to later round flyers as opposed to, um, you know, maybe your standard process of going with one early or getting one of those guys in uh, in that mid range. So, you know, definitely thinking about that from a roster construction standpoint. Um, also, running backs and pass protection is going to be huge. I mean, it's, it's huge anyway. Um, you know, when you look at teams, they they generally don't lack caution um, when it comes to that. You know, if, if they can't trust you in pass protection, um, you don't play on third down. And so now we have a situation where there's no preseason. There's no uh, interest uh, squad uh, scrimmages. So these guys aren't are losing a lot of reps, um, you know, a, against other teams and, you know, different blitz packages and all those things. So um, I think that's something that people really, really need to hone in on, uh, specifically a running back, um, you know, get those guys that have the experience. Um, I'm looking at, uh, you know, a guy like uh, DeAndre Washington in Kansas City. Uh, they signed him very early on in the process. And now he's looking like he's going to be you know, a viable player, but he's a guy that, you know, has experience, um, you know, on third down and, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, we all love him. And, you know, it looks like um, he's going to be that lead back, but, you know, don't forget about a guy like this, you know, early on, because, you know, when those bullets get to flying uh, and you got that $500 million man, you know, behind you, if, Clyde Edwards Hilaire misses a, a protection, hey, he might be coming out on third down until they can get that resolved. So I think that's something people really need to hone in on is, is you know, running backs and uh, pass protection. Yeah, as much as you hear kind of that narrative about teams having to maybe scale back a little bit in terms of, of, of playbook, right, because, you know, everything has been condensed and, you, you know, you got rookies who haven't had the opportunity to to get those OTA exposures and you know, all the other sort of pre-training training camp reps that they would normally get. But think about defenses that have been together for maybe a couple of years, right, have that continuity. And so they've got their packages locked in. Uh, they're not going to be scaling anything back when they're going up against an offense who maybe has some guys in there who haven't seen a lot of these looks, right? They're just going to throw it at them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and we're going to we're going to see how that goes. But, Chris, let me let me get you on that yeah. on this last thing before we move on to something else. What do you think about the pandemic and the whole environment? Well, just to piggyback on what you were saying, um, that the continuity of the team, I think that's a big thing people should be looking out for because teams like 
the Ravens, who are bringing back essentially the same group, they're going to, you know, hit the floor running compared to other teams who maybe like the Bucks, who need time to gel and really need that time to, to get everything down pat. But teams that are already established and have the same units that they pretty much had last year, those are the teams I really want to target in, in fantasy this year because you, you'll see less hiccups. I mean, you would think you'd see less hiccups in a you know, time like this where there isn't that much practice anymore and you know, their, their distance and all of that. So I think teams with continuity is, is really the, the way to go this year. Yeah, we are a Ravens-focused show. People who listen to us know that. And so, you know, we're, we're, we'll weave some of that into this. But uh, we just like talking about football and life, really, in general. So uh, it won't be all about the Ravens, but, you know, we'll weave some of that. And that's, that's, that, that's how we do. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Uh, Chris and Carrie know they, they give me these notes to try to keep me organized, but this, it's just not the way my mind works. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to try to stick to it, but I'm probably going to bounce more. Um, so let's let's look at some specific situations. And I know, Chris, I'll, I'll start with you on this because I, I know you've mentioned it. And Carrie, you talked about it, too. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get mad at the end. Uh, two backfields. We were just talking about running backs. Um, the Bucks and the Rams. Um, what do you think about that, Chris? Because I know you had some 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 things you wanted to talk about in terms of how you might navigate uh, those backfields from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, so the the Bucks and and the Rams those are two interesting backfields to me because you have the you have a guy like Ronald Jones who you know in the eyes of some and if you just gloss over his statistics has underachieved for the most part in, in a lot of people's eyes and then you have you know the shiny new object with Keyshawn Vaughn who you know he he comes in with some draft capital behind him um, he can he can do multiple things out of the backfield. And then you have LaShawn McCoy, who's, a, you know, a trusty old vet. You know, you pretty much know what you'll get from him. So there are people and you know, in the on the uh, Ronald Jones camp. There are people in the Keyshawn Vaughn camp and there are people in the LaShawn McCoy camp. I'm leaning towards the Ronald Jones camp. Um, all of the drum beats you know, out of camp. And, you know, I understand that it's just camp, but for right now, this, that's what we have to go by. We don't really have, we don't have any preseason film to go by. So I'm just going by the drum beats. And, you know, you hear Bruce Aaron talk about how much he's in. Did we lose Chris? We might have lost Chris altogether. Okay. <laughs> we know the fit, but he's been putting in the work to, to take that next step and to, to live up to that building that he had coming out of USC. So I'm I'm one of those guys that I'm planting my flag on Ronald Jones. And, and you know, I, I think so many people, they get caught up in, in getting burned in, you know, the year prior. So you'll see that with, like, a guy like Amari Cooper where people are like, I'm not drafting him. He burned me last year. And I think you'll see that with Ronald Jones where a lot of people are sour on him because they had these expectations and he didn't live up to them. So he's automatically, you know, on their shit list. And they're like, I'm not touching him. But um, I think it, it's it's important to, you know, see these things in, in context and, and know that these players, they, they grow. And sometimes it takes some time for them to, to establish themselves and, and, and really – you know, hit the ground running. And and I think this year should be a, a really good year for him. 
Well, I'm not going to pretend like I've done a whole lot of work uh, on these situations because I haven't. But I will say that uh, I'm always a big fan of taking guys that have talent. There's some opportunity there, but people are down on, right? Because they had a, a, the, the previous year uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, maybe they didn't quite reach expectation. Just as a philosophical approach, I'm always a big fan of that. When the talent and the opportunity is there, uh, I, I kind of like that. Kerry, let me let me hit you on that. One. What do you think about these uh, these backfields with the Bucks and the Rams? Yeah. So with the Bucks, um, you know, Ronald Jones is a hot button um, player in fantasy. But to me, at his ADP is really an easy decision to make. You know, especially if you think the Bucks are a 10 or 11 win team. Um, the, the guy has, seems to have a solid grasp on a two down role in that offense. Um, and the offense is, um, you know, pretty much certain to be more efficient and, you know, to see more positive game scripts. Um, I thought um, uh, Adam Levitan with um, Establish the Run uh, made a um, great point recently about the game environment for the Bucks um, and how it's going to change compared to uh, recent seasons. You know, uh, less um, pass attempts, uh, probably, um, well, not probably, definitely less pick sixes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, average depth of target is probably going to go down. Uh, all of this is going to hurt. Uh, them from a uh, uh, pure volume perspective as far as their pass offense. Um, and so you, when you look at the wealth of passing game talent they have and the Hall of Fame uh, quarterback, um, but the biggest beneficiary is going to be Ronald Jones, you know, being able to get those clock killing opportunities, being able to get those green zone opportunities. And, you know, Again, at his ADP, even if he's just a two down guy, to me, it makes sense to, you know, make that move. Um, people might get hung up on the pass catching. I've seen that, um, you know, um, as a deterrent of not taking him. But last year he shared a two down role with Peyton Barber and, you know, still had 40 targets and, uh, you know, caught 31 of those uh, passes. Now, the volume will be down, but I don't think this is going to be a. Uh, Sony Michelle situation where he's just a total zero in the passing game. Uh, so I'm not expecting anything on third down, but I wouldn't 100 percent rule out that he doesn't play with some on third down um, as well. But even if he doesn't, uh, to me, seventh, eighth round, this is like an easy no brainer, um, you know, selection to make. I mean, we, we, we're talking double digit touchdown upside um, if you're buying the Bucks as an improved team, a double-digit win team. All right, Matt, uh, I'll come to you on this one. Um, certainly interested in your, your thoughts uh, on the Bucks, but let me let me throw the Rams back in there, too. And again, I'm, I'm the least educated on the status of, of these backfields out of all of us, but I do know Todd Gurley's not there anymore. Uh, so, so what, what do you think about these two backfields? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Chris and Gary about Ronald Jones. I think he's one of the best running back values in fantasy this year. And a lot of that has to do when you think about what he did last year. You know, the year before, they, you know, Chris and Gary both talked about people getting burned on Ronald Jones. Um, and it is. It's a great opportunity to, to be able to look at the film and see what exactly did Ronald Jones do to earn the um, the opportunities that he's getting now. And when you look at that film, you see 
a far more decisive runner. He seemed to understand what he was supposed to be doing. He was hitting the creases decisively. He had added muscle to his frame, and you could see that he used that muscle well. He broke, you know, I was measuring, I was looking at pro football references, advanced stats, and one of the things that they had listed was that um, basically number of attempts per tackle broken, like kind of a ratio of attempts per tackle broken. And a guy like Nick Chubb, who, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of, is, is you know, 11 attempts for every tackle broken, which is a really good mark. Ronald Jones was at seven. Um, and Ronald Jones, you know, Ronald Jones isn't as imaginative or creative or as refined of a runner as a guy like Nick Chubb would be. Um, but it shows you that he was making good decisions. He was making the most of those. And what I was watching on film correlated with the tackles broken, because once he got past the, the box and into the second level, he took linebackers for a ride. He took safeties for a ride. He ran through at least reaches and wrap attempts. So he was he was hitting those creases with authority, and that's what you want to see from a back who was being tentative the year before. And as the year went on, you started seeing him be able to actually drop the weight and be able to stop at the line of scrimmage where he's seen a penetrating defender and make a jump stop or a jump cut to an outside crease and do it in a very refined way. And so there's, you could see the growth with him. And the fact like, you know, that Kerry mentioned about that he was used as a receiver and he caught a fair amount of targets. Well, you look at the Bucks this year and I covered them for the football guys in terms of their training camp reports. And one of the things that you're reading right off the bat is he's improved his pass catching um, in the camp and it's been notable to everybody. The Tom Brady's like, here's what James White did that you could do that'll help you in terms of, you know, running running your routes as if you already have the ball, keeping a kind of a low center of gravity. And part of that is to be a little bit more sudden and out of your brakes. Part of it also is to help you get in the mode of transitioning fast. Because one of the things that makes George Kittle great as a tight end with the 49ers is his ability to catch and pierce, to be able to catch the ball and immediately get downhill. Now, he didn't say it as an as football savvy as that term that we hear coaches use, um, you know, but he, his was basically, well, I, you know, I just turned, I realized if I just turned up field and, and ran as hard as I could, that people were, you know, not being able to tackle me. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, that's catch and pierce, my friend. So he, uh, <laughs> so, you know, Ronald Jones is, is doing that. And the fact that Bruce Arians right away was like, listen, we're going to, um, LaShawn McCoy, we know what he can do. He's going to find his place. Um, you know, hopefully these rookies get in shape. And I'm disappointed a little bit with where the rookies are at. I don't know if he's talking about Keyshawn Vaughn right now, but he's probably talking about rookies in general. I know that Tyler Johnson was probably a part of that. Is that, you know, it's a whole new world for these guys. And they're having wow moments every day in camp in terms of what their conditioning should be like. And that's to be expected for a lot of these guys. So Vaughn might be in part of that group. I think he's a he's a nice young back in terms of someone who can be a contributor for a team at the very least. Um, but, you know, what he said that was most telling, Arian said, was those guys are competing for opportunities and roles when Ronald Jones gets tired and comes off the field. So when you say he not we're we're just finding a role to alternate with him when he gets tired. To me, that's a that's a pretty good phrase to say this guy's going to get the ball a lot and they'd like to see him be more of a pass catcher. So I have Jones 
at 46 targets this year. It's kind of ambitious, 37 catches, 311 yards and a touchdown. I'm at 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. So I think he's going to definitely be a bargain this year, probably a top 15 running back. And and when you think about like what Kerry said, you know, that yes, what Adam Leviton said about, you know, you may see less volume. They're going to be way more efficient with what Tom Brady does and Rob Gronkowski in the mix. They're going to run more two tight end sets. It's going to be multiple sets when you watch in practice. They're already, you know, Munkin, the the former Jets, um, not Munkin. Oh, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Um, Buck's defensive coach. He used to be the head coach for the for the Jets. Oh, um, def- oh yes, Tom Bull, Bulls. Tom Bowles. Yeah, thank you. Tom Bowles is like already like in lining up and they're doing a lot of kind of mush lineups and like kind of confused. And, you know, the the thing they're working on pretty much early in practice right now is we have a multiple offense. Let's let's make sure everybody's on the same page when Tom says we're going to move from a 12 personnel to a 10 personnel. We're going to move from 12 personnel to empty. We're going to move from 12 personnel to 11. And you're going to and they're already like doing lots of red zone drills with three tight end sets putting cam braid in there so they're going to run the ball but they're also going to have you're going to see jones get opportunities just for the mere fact that he'll be on the field in sets where brady goes yeah i don't like that look let's split jones out and throw a quick little quick something to him and everybody else so they're going to be more efficient and it's going to lead to longer drives more opportunities so i love that and then i guess the rams i mean listen i like cam Akers as a rookie I've kind of joked that he's an incomplete masterpiece. And what I mean by that is that, you know, he's a heck of a pass protector in terms of the physical skills of being able to block people, the picking up protections, picking up assignments. That's tough for every rookie. So you got to expect some growth there and maybe some issues with that. He's a much better receiver than people realize in terms of not only catching the ball, but making contested catches and finding openings in the zone in ways that I was kind of surprised by. Um, he's the big question for me about the Rams is, are they going to go back to being an outside zone team? Which I would think with Cam Akers being a little bit more of a gap savvy runner than he is a zone savvy one. And that Darrell Henderson had issues being able to run. He looked lost running zone after coming from a gap scheme in Memphis. I would think that gap would be their thing. And I would also think that because their offensive line hasn't improved massively and and Sean McVay, you know, after his Super Bowl stint with Bill Belichick and Belichick basically said, I'm going to take your few little plays and I'm going to go ahead and just like throw them off the chessboard because, you know, I'm just going to completely outmatch you. And it still took him what? halfway to two thirds of the season to finally go, you know what, maybe this, when the defenses are playing sets to specifically stop wide zone that you don't <laughs> normally see in the pro game, maybe I should go to gap, you know, and, and he started to after that in midway through the Steelers game. So I'd have to think they're going to do more 12 personnel, do more gap running, try and, you know, try and do play action off of that and have three fewer, three wide receiver sets. And if they do that, I think right now you got to look at this as a split between Akers and Williams, um, or excuse me, yeah, and or Henderson, excuse me. And Henderson is probably the better value right now in fantasy leagues. But, um, you know, you, the risk with him is does he catch on? Um, to McVeigh has always wanted to have a scat back, but he's never seemed to get one. It seems like it's a fever dream for every Shanahan influenced offensive. Um, coach to have a scat back and it 
doesn't really hasn't really happened other than maybe Chris Thompson who keeps getting hurt. Um, you know, so I, I think Acres is a nice bet, but there's boom bust to both of those guys due to offensive line, due to also how much of a split they're really going to have. Wow, you 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 touched on a lot. Um, before I go to our next topic, though, I just I gotta I gotta piggyback on a couple of guys just because you mentioned a lot of names and Chris and Kerry will 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 know this. Uh, I love Nick Chubb. Uh, they've heard me wax poetic about the Browns this year, even though I'm a Ravens fan. Nobody, <laughs> nobody likes this. Uh, but I was doing this back during the draft because I'm like, look, this is it. I said, I think they finally got the right guys. I said, this scheme that they're going to run with the players that they have, love Andrew Barry, all the moves that he's making. I might as well get a number 24 jersey that says Kool-Aid on the back. Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, I just got to put that out there. Even I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trading in my Ravens fandom and I know people are going to hate that, but I'm just saying I was pretty optimistic about it. Now, when, when the pandemic hit, I, I don't know how that affects them, you know, because you got a new staff, new scheme, all of that coming in. Um, I don't know how that affects them, but I'm still pretty optimistic, uh, about what they could be. Uh, Tyler Johnson. Well, don't feel too ashamed. Don't feel okay. too ashamed because I'm a I'm I'm a Steelers fanboy this offseason. Oh, no, oh no. I, I feel like <laughs> oh no. <laughs> because if just just look at look at them last season. Look at how good that team was, the defense yeah. was yeah. with that horrendous offense. That yes. they're probably offenses in Texas high school football that were better than that last yeah. year, yeah. and they almost made it to the playoffs. Yeah. They were a problem. If they would have made it to the playoffs, they would have given the Ravens a run for their money because with just 50% of Ben Roethlisberger, that team is dangerous in the playoffs. And we now, talk, well, I'm sorry, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say, we did, we did talk about that last year, about <clears throat> just how good their defense was once they got Minka. And like that might have been Tomlin's best coaching job, to get what he got out of that team with the <laughs> jokers they had playing quarterback for them. I mean that that was impressive, but but you you kind of hurt my heart a little bit there. Chris, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. You know I'm I like sorry. Deontay Johnson. You know we we share a, a, an affinity for Deontay Johnson as a player, but yeah, uh, and, and look that, what he did hurt. last year. Look what he did with those two guys at quarterback last year. So and a hernia, Ben Ben, and, and a hernia. hernia. <laughs> That's right, yeah. and a hernia. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe that we just did that. But anyway, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's um, all it is. incestuous in the NFC North. It, it really is. It really yeah, is. I'm, I, I was going to say I was going to trade my – I trade my Chubb jersey to you if, you can, if I can rent Lamar and, and J.K. <laughs> you know, and, add, and, and a couple other guys on that. Well, anyway, I don't even want to go there. Now we're right. we're, we're going to get to some of the Ravens guys because like right. like I said that's, that's what people kind of listen to uh, listen to listen to us for but but Carrie uh, I'm going to start with you on this one and this was a theme a little bit in that whole Ronald Jones uh, discussion um, about people maybe being burned a little bit from a guy that maybe didn't quite reach their expectations um, David Johnson right in Houston hmm. um, as much as I want to just forget about the actual analysis and just like roll with Johnson puns. Um, we need to talk about the actual players there and two guys that I really love. You guys have seen a lot of stuff. I tweeted out about Duke Johnson. I've loved that dude forever. Uh, but David Johnson, remember what he was. Remember that year, him and Lev Bell was like, you know, play, play those guys in DFS and print money. Um, we know what David Johnson has been. Kerry, what, what do you think about his prospects in, in Houston? Can he get back 
Uh, you know, it's hard to say get back to that, but can he can he can he regain you know something something near that form? Yeah. So I want to hit on the Rams backfield first because I think there's a interesting kind of point um, that we're dealing with as far as COVID um, that kind of puts us at a disadvantage. Um, and then I'll hit on um, you know David Johnson and the Texans, um, but with the uh, with the Rams. Um, you know, McVay has named every running back in that room. I mean, I, I think he tried to even mention um, uh, Eric Dickerson as an option, but you, know, <laughs> you can't really do that. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's where we are because we're relying so much on uh, coach speed. And so a situation like the Colts where their coaches came out and said, well, Marlon Mack is the starter, but we're going to ride the hot hand to me as cold for we're going to give Jonathan Taylor every opportunity to take this job. But, you know, we're not getting that with the Rams. So that 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 creates even more of a, a, a you know, kind of disadvantage. Uh, Cam Akers is being drafted like he's going to be the lead back. And, you know, there's risk there. Um, Daryl Henderson is, is affordable. But, you know, Matt uh, pointed out his struggles as, um, you know, a, a zone runner. You know, he has the explosiveness. He has some potential as a pass catcher. Uh, but if they don't, um, if they, you know, kind of move more stubbornly and want to stick with the zone, then, you know, that creates some, you know, issues. Mac Brown is a guy that, you know, could be just a thorn in people's side. He's just a guy they seem to trust. Um and, you know, he's a solid bat, but, you know, he just kind of muddies the waters. Um, so, you know, that's a prime example of um, not having the preseason. You know, the, you know, these coaches can say whatever they want in availability, uh, you know, in their media availability. But, you know, who they're running out in, in, in preseason and how these guys look when they get their chances is, you know, the story we want to hear. But unfortunately, we won't be able to hear so, you know, I just thought that was important with the COVID environment. So I wanted to kind of touch on that. But, yeah, as far as the, the um, David Johnson, um, this whole Texans offense, I think we've had a couple conversations about it. To me, they're like the biggest storyline in, in all of fantasy with, uh, you know, Tim Kelly taking over as their play caller. Um, you know, he's thought to be the guy that um, implemented the RPOs into their offense. Um, I read where... Um, Former Texans uh, receiver uh, Cecil Shorts, he's doing radio in Houston now, and he talked about how creative Kelly was and how the players liked them and said that he had his hands all over uh, the game plan in that 53 point, um, you know, explosion they had uh, in Atlanta uh, well, versus Atlanta. So I went back and watched that game and I saw a lot of, uh, you know, movement with the quarterback i saw a lot of uh stretch run game and kind of synced up with the play action passing game and you know they have the weapons there uh to do real damage on those deep crossers and vertical shots and some of those things and uh you know we know how a mobile quarterback can help a running game so for me when i look at david johnson um if they utilize him in space um you know Assuming that he's, you know, healthier than when it looked like he was, you know, running with a pile of rocks on his back last year. Uh, assuming we're not looking at that guy anymore, um, he absolutely can bounce back. I mean, even if they're not utilizing him as he was utilizing the past, 
if he's just out there for 65% of the snaps with Deshaun, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, we've seen productivity from that position in this offense before, even with guys that weren't as, you know, talented as a guy like David Johnson. So I definitely think, um, you know, he can bounce back. He's viable. Uh, the tricky part with this is he's going in a range where there's so many good wide receivers that aren't as risky going in that range. So, you know, for every kind of stab you take at him, you're letting a DJ chart get by, you know, you're letting a Terry McLaurin get by, you're letting these guys that, you know, are safer, but also have upside as well. So that's kind of my, my issue with David Johnson right now, but I definitely think he can, um, he can bounce back in a major way. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask the same thing of you, Matt. I was going to go to Chris, but he's earned some penalty box time with that Steelers love that, that (laughs) (laughs) we, 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 we're we're going to have to talk about that. I mean, that, that is, Anyway, well, Matt, uh, what, what do you think about David Johnson? Well, well, I want to know how big the penalty box is. Is it just <laughs> is it where is it only one? Is there only one seat in there? No, we could all get in there if that's okay. what it comes to. Because if there's just one seat, I could talk about how I think James Conner is the biggest running back value in the in fantasy football this year, and then we could speak on it, Matt. Because oh. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, listen. I mean, I I'm a Browns fan who loves the Ravens who. The Steelers are like the big brother that beat up on us, who I root for when they get into the playoffs, if the Ravens aren't in there. So my whole perspective is completely screwed up. But <laughs> but you, but David Johnson, I mean, I, I agree. It's, the big thing about him is, is you know, I, I'd love. He was naturally more of a gap runner when he came into the league. He he eventually he got some tutelage. You know, Jen Welter, who was a, a line, I believe, a linebackers coach or intern coach. Um, who played running back for a little bit in a men's league. She was part of a, an intern for the Cardinals. And I had a chance to talk to her at the senior bowl a few years back. And she talked about how much Chris Johnson, and it was pretty obvious. Chris Johnson mentored um, David Johnson a fair bit in terms of the, the, the details of zone running. And Johnson had a, had a strong campaign as the, you know, in his first couple of years, he really started to, to get better at running that type of a, of a blocking scheme. I'd like to see what kind of scheme Tim Kelly is going to run. Like, you know, that's going to be from the spread. So you think that it's going to be a lot of zone, especially with those crossers, especially with teams trying to have to play all 11 offensive players on a team. So, you know, and as, as Gary brought up, so that makes sense. Um, you know, but I'd like to see, you know, overall, he's kind of a back. You look at him and you think, He's not the guy you really want side saddle to a quarterback optimally. Like optimally, you'd love to see him seven yards in a backfield, but we just don't play that kind of football anymore in the NFL very often. So, you, you know, he, I think he'll come back and I think he'll have a, he'll, he'll just pass the thousand yard mark. I think he can get about five to six touchdowns in this offense. I think he can get 60 targets in this offense and Duke Johnson still get 50. Um, so I, I think he's going to, you know, get 45 receptions, 410 yards, close to 10 touchdowns total. So you're looking at, you know, over 1400 yards from scrimmage, but just as Kerry said, do you really want to, that's kind of more the upside projection for him. So wouldn't you rather have a DJ Chark? Wouldn't you rather have, you know, there's some other running backs in there. Like to me, you're getting, you could get James Conner around the same spot and James Conner is behind a better offensive line, um, you know, with a better, 
with better skill players who are more improved or at least have returned to the field. And you knew what James Conner was about when he's healthy. He was a top six back two years ago. Um, and they, they are making him the feature back. So that's tough. Chris Carson is a, is a solid back. If you're going to go for a back in that range and then all the receivers, I mean, shark is, I love that as the prime example of a guy that you want. But even if you're looking at DK Metcalf or, if you want to reach a little bit for Devonta Parker, if you believe that he's turned the corner based on what he did last year, I mean, those are all compelling guys, and it's hard when you can go a little further back and go, you know, Raheem Mostert might be available later. I can look at him, and I know that's the one guy who can run behind that really strong offensive line. I can go with him, Ronald Jones, like we just talked about. So, yeah, it's one of those seals where someone's going to be happy that they got him, but there'll be someone else who's like, I got two players for the price of one because of the fact that I didn't take David Johnson. All right, Chris, look, I've never understood the cat in the bag analogy, but the cat is firmly out of the bag. If you want to talk about James Conner instead of David Johnson, (laughs) go ahead and talk about James (laughs) Conner. Talk about them both. It's up to you, man. Let's talk about James Conner from my Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This has gotten way out of (laughs) here. No, it's, I mean, like Matt said, the line is going to be one of the best in the league. He's coming back to, you know, hopefully a healthy Big Ben. And then all the other weapons that, you know, defenders are going to have to worry about. And then you just, you include James Conner's talent that's there. And we've seen his talent when he's healthy. We've seen that they'll use him as the, the workhorse back. And, I mean, we're not believers that, you know, Snell is going to take, take away his carries. We don't think. Uh, the back out of Maryland is going to take uh, take any snaps away from him. So this is his backfield, and they're going to feed him as long as he can stay healthy. And I think the sky's the limit. With that defense, they're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to you know milk the clock out. And I just think with a, a an offense that has as much firepower as they're going to have, there are going to be a lot of goal line opportunities there. And like you said, with, you know if you compare – David Johnson's situation and James Conner's situation, I would much rather have the James Conner situation just for those factors and, and just for the offensive line alone that you know will create holes for him. And, you know, we, we know how – and we, we just spoke about how continuity is so important. He knows how to run behind this line. David Johnson, you know, it's going to be a brand-new system. It's going to be a brand-new offensive line for him. So that takes time to, to kind of gel and, and – and get that feel for where guys are going to be. So I, I'd much rather hit that draft button on on James Conner for my Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, look, damn, we might as well talk about the Bengals, too. You want to do some Joe Mixon love out there? <laughs> T. Higgins? You might as well just hit them all at this point. Uh, nobody cares about the Bengals. <laughs> Not no. NFC North. Come on now. No, nobody does care about the Bengals. Even though I, I do love me some Joe Mixon. They know that. Um, True. But anyway. Anyway, so let's let's do this, because um, I think we ultimately want to get to some other stuff that might not be completely football related, just because I think it's more interesting. Um, but let's hit a couple more football things. And I, and I know we'd be um, remiss if we didn't talk any Ravens, but I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that. So this this next one, uh, Chris and his Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, <laughs> take it anywhere that you want, man. Uh, any fantasy player, any fantasy position. Anything that you want. This is kind of just the clean slate round. Uh, anything that you want to talk about, um, you know, the floor is yours. If, if it has to be Steelers, then okay. Um, 
No, no, it's, it's, it's not Sheila's talk right now, but um, a back that's been near and dear to my heart for the last three years and uh, who I'm excited about is uh, Zach Moss. And I, I think he's a guy that's going, you know, fairly late compared to what I think what his opportunity would be. Um, you have him on the team like the Bills. You know, we know what they want to do. They want to, you know, make the game ugly. They want to run the ball, run it down your throat. And, you know, Devin, Devin Singletary, he showed some good stuff last year. But I think that as a tandem, when you take the carries that, that Frank Gore had and you give them to, to Zach Moss, I think Moss is, a, is the kind of guy who, who could maximize those. Now, Frank Gore, great running back. You know, he's the, you know, the kind of guy that you want in your running back room. But there, there's a, a ceiling for what he can do at, at his age right now. And I think Zach Moss is a guy who who can kind of, you know, cap that a little bit and, you know, supersede it somewhat. And even maybe even challenge uh, Devin Singletary for more of a split in that backfield. And I think he's a guy who could definitely take that that red zone role from him, too. And he, he can get the touchdowns from that backfield. And, uh, you know, the reports that I just read coming out of camp are how amazed they are of how how he can catch the ball. It's like, yeah, hell yeah, he could catch the ball. Like, <laughs> he he did that at Utah. Like, he he showed he can do that. Just because he's big doesn't mean he has bricks for hands. And and I think that's something that, that he can bring to them as well. And and he's just someone I get really really excited about when I I think about not only real football but but also fantasy because he he you can get him at a good value right now. Love me some Zach Moss. Watching some of his games last year, his college tape. It reminded me of like old school Tecmo Bowl when guys are just like bouncing off of dudes' thigh pads. Uh, <laughs> people who were who at the college level were just like bouncing off of this dude uh, when he would really get down behind his pads. So big fan of Zach Moss. Obviously, we have a ton of respect uh, for Frank Gore. He's no longer with the Wheels, of course. He's 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 with the Ravens Northeast. Uh, up there with the <laughs> so we have a we have a ton of a ton of respect for him and and what he's done throughout his career. Carrie, I'll go to you. I'm gonna save save Matt last on this one. Um, floor is yours, man. Uh, any fantasy position, any fantasy player, any fantasy strategy. I mean, anything you want. Yeah, I want to hit um, kind of the quarterback uh, strategy for this year. I think we had a conversation about this, and you know, I want to qualify this first. Because, you know, I'm a card-carrying member of the late-round quarterback club, so I don't want to do anything <laughs> to jeopardize, you know, my, my standing. <laughs> but there have been a couple different instances, you know, in in my offseason doing best ball there. Um, you know, I've taken, uh, I've taken uh, Lamar um, Jackson or uh, Patrick Mahomes in that late second, uh, early third round. And I, I think Late round quarterback is still the way to go uh, for me personally. Um, I know, you know, a lot of the times that's where I'm going to gravitate towards. But there are a couple different uh, scenarios where, you know, I'm looking at uh, Mahomes, I'm looking at Jackson, and, you know, they just make a lot of sense. Um, hey, Kerry, Kerry, I don't I, mean to interrupt, but our draft is coming up. Can you tell me specifically what those scenarios are and where <laughs> you're going to draft those? <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, one of those is when you get to that um, uh, Sigmund Bloom um, um, calls it the, the second round dead zone. You get to that late second round 
and all the uh, you know the top 13 or 14 running backs are off the board. You know maybe Kelsey is off the board. Uh, you know the top three or four receivers are off the board, and you're looking at it, and you know you could take a receiver there that would be, you know, a quality receiver. But there's so much value at receiver in the third and the fourth and the fifth and, you know, and and so on um, that, you know, maybe you just want to lock in the upside of uh, a guy like uh, Lamar or a guy like Mahomes and then hit um, wide receiver, you know, rounds three through five or six. Uh, So I think that's a scenario that kind of sticks out. And then there's another scenario where. Uh, you know, everybody in your league is waiting on quarterback. You know, that, it, that's a trend that is kind of people are catching on to. So the market is kind of correcting itself. Uh, so the advantage isn't the same if everybody's waiting. But there could be a, a advantage that you can kind of gain from, you know, just knowing when to jump in and grab your guy, you know, and that comes from, you know, having your tier ranking set up and, you know, identifying the guy you you see as a value, whether it be, uh, you know, a Kyler Murray or, um, you know, Russell Wilson or, you know, whoever, you know, somebody might slip through those cracks and may fall in the range that, you know, normally they don't. But because everybody's waiting, you get a, you know, round and a half, two round discount on the guy. So that's something to kind of, uh, you know, keep an open mind of, you know, when I'm in drafts, I typically don't even touch the quarterback tab until like the ninth or 10th round. Um, you know, I don't even bother looking that direction, but I think there are certain scenarios where you can kind of, you know, peek over there a little bit. You know, I want to keep my car, but you know, just a little peek. That was extremely valuable information, Kerry. I'm, I really <laughs> appreciate the detail, the depth that you went into on that. And I think all the listeners do too. It's it's not about me. It's it's a, it's about whoever's listening. I think they really appreciated that. Um, so Matt, turn it over to you now. Anything, any player, any position, any strategy, um, anything you know about Kerry and Chris, if you've ever been in drafts with them, anywhere that you want to take it, go ahead. Man, I see the rope coming out and no more of the dope, but like, <laughs> but you, you I see I'm what gonna, we were talking about. Yeah, I really do. I really do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the point about, you know, taking a peek at quarterback early is not bad because when you think about safe picks, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson would be, my top three in terms of safest quarterback picks on the board. And if you believe that there's depth at running back and receiver after that, why not? Especially because I think there's value at tight end. And that's what I'm going to talk about is kind of some, a couple of receiver values and a couple of tight end values, because I think CD lamb and Emmanuel Sanders are going to be guys that are going to get 1100 yards, at least in their offenses. And they're going in, what, the ninth, 10th round, sometimes later than that. Sanders is somewhere between, like, the ninth and 12th round. CeeDee Lamb somewhere around the eighth or ninth round right now. Because if you look at the Dallas Cowboys offense last year, it supported the equivalent of three 1,100-yard receivers. Um, Michael Gallup gave you 1,100 yards. Um, Amari Cooper gave you 1,100 yards. And the combination of Tavon Austin and Randall Cobb gave you 1,100 yards. It doesn't even include what Zeke got. doesn't include what um, – you know, Witten got. So I think it's there um, for a guy like Lan- Lamb, who's going to be able to alternate in and outside with Cooper. So they're both going to draw some real nice matchup advantages. 
And you get Emmanuel Sanders, which to me is like the second biggest value in this draft because I'm just sitting here watching him and I'm thinking this is one of the better route runners who you could use. And, you know, there's route runners like Michael Thomas, who you put him in the slot and he's just devastating. He's a good route runner outside. But his range of what he can do in terms of how he's going to stretch the field is more limited than a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who even at his venerable age at this point in his career can still stretch the field. So you put him in New Orleans where Drew Brees basically had Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, and a bunch of wet kindling basically for wide receivers, you know, and he's been able to start fires with guys like Robert Beecham and, you know, guys who were either good but limited talents or the guys who were great athletes who looked like they were doing math trying to catch a football. And so when you give him Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, and Michael Thomas – now you've given him a, basically a trio in addition to Kamara where defenses are basically screwed. Like they're, they're not going to be able to focus on one guy and there's always going to be a matchup disadvantage for the defense. And you know what? Michael Thomas had what seven, almost 1700 yards last year or close to that uh, or somewhere in that range. You, he can still be a top five fantasy receiver and you get him and he's, and he may only gain 1200 yards, you know, there's another 500 yards there, and it's not going to Traquan Smith. You know, it's going. Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to be that guy who can get close. I think a, a baseline for him is 800 yards. I think he can get 11 um, this year, and it is not that much of a stretch. So he's a great. Those two are great values. And then you think, well, if you pick that quarterback early, then what about tight end? Well, I mean. Listen, we'll go back to the Steelers. I know people don't like Eric Ebron for the same reasons they didn't like Ronald Jones, because, and even more so because it's like promise one year and then great one year and then dud the next year. But, you know, the Steelers have been looking for a tight end like this since when they got Ladarius Green and they and they didn't get what they wanted in Ladarius Green. But Eric Ebron's going to give them that. Um, so I think that he's a really nice fit. They're going to try and run more two tight end, I bet. They'll probably split him out. Um, and do some nice work there. Greg Olson, one of the best things he does is in the red zone catching um, seam passes. That's one of the best things Russell Wilson does, you know, and he's used to working open. Um, Russell Wilson's going to be great in that. So I think he's got another year left in him that maybe one of the best he's had in three or four. So you can consider that. Eric Ebron's replacement is a guy who's oft injured, but his name's Trey Burton. And he's a, and but when he's healthy, he's flashed. And they said, we wanted to give him the Ebron role. And while John Doyle, you worry about that. Well, you remember what Ebron did with John Doyle in the lineup. Um, so that's a low risk, high reward type of situation. Um, so to me, there's a lot of guys from the 10th round on that you can look at at tight end and say, I'll take my chances with that. Whether it's those guys, Austin Hooper, Irv Smith, there's so many guys you could probably stream as your tight end one if you want to go higher risk. And I'll I'll mention the last guy, OJ Howard, who you know we we you know we keep talking about the Arians' offense and how they're going to go 12 personnel, um, and they're going to be multiple. Well, Martellus Bennett had a pretty good year when he was healthy. Those healthy weeks, he was good with Rob Gronkowski beside him. Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski together was pretty great. You know, O.J. Howard could have that Aaron Hernandez role. He could have that Rob Gronkowski role with Gronkowski playing Hernandez. Both of them are excellent blockers. 
and they're going to get opportunities in the red zone. So even Howard is the tight end two on his team could wind up being a tight end one at, you know, in fantasy leagues of 12 to 14 teams. All right. That was, I mean, I, you almost, you're almost like stuffed, you know, you want to get up from the table uh, after all of that. <laughs> uh, but, but before we, before we go into some of the non-football stuff, uh, I, I tried to save this for last and, because we have, I mean, keep the food analogies going. Because we have kind of gone um, Golden Corral style on the AFC North. Uh, we need to cleanse our palates, right, and talk some Ravens. We need to, we need to get the Steelers and the Browns and Bing. We really talk about the Bengals, right? The Bengals is like, you know, those those old rolls that have been sitting there for a long time. Nobody, nobody really wants those. Nobody really wants to touch those. Um, <laughs> but let, let's 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 talk Ravens a little bit right now. Um, and I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, uh, Matt, because I know you are a closet Ravens fan. Uh, but we saw what Lamar and this offense did last year, right? Uh, obviously very impressive. Everybody knows the numbers. Everybody knows the records, uh, all of the highlights. Where we've seen it all, right? And we're all, we're all very aware of all of that. Uh, and so I don't, I, I don't even really think too much about the question of, oh, can they do it again? Can he do it again? I don't really think about it that way. I look at um, what they've now added, right? And think, who knows if they can do it again or not? Maybe they'll do something new. Like we hadn't seen what they did last year before. Maybe we we see something even newer this year. So, what are your thoughts uh, about the, the the Ravens and their offense and kind of fantasy um, sort of perspective on it? Yeah, I'm excited about seeing what they're going to do because a lot of the talk is, well, we got Brandon, we got Miles Boykin last year, and Miles Boykin, what he did best wasn't exactly what Lamar did best. But now they've asked Lamar to to kind of address those areas because they want to throw the ball more to the perimeter um, and, you know, make some of the types of throws that are a little higher velocity throws um, where that they need to be timely and accurate for a receiver like Boykin, who's very good at running those types of routes, the deep curl, the comeback, the out. Um, those are those intermediate throws. Those are the things like, that that he could be where Jackson could improve upon. And so it's going to be interesting to see whether he does make that stride. And if he does, that can open up this offense in an even greater dimension. Now, if that doesn't happen, fine. It's still a great offense. And it's still, you know, what Jackson does well in terms of throwing the ball deep in the middle of the field, up the rails, what he can do in the short game, what he can do under pressure. Um, in the pocket, staying in the pocket. And then of course, yeah, he can run the ball too. And they set up the, they set up the ground game in such a way. It was so dominant last year that I just would laugh every time I'd hear an an analyst say um, he's got to be careful running because he might take too many hits. You don't want him taking too many hits. And I'm thinking, are you watching these games? Cause he's not getting touched. He's going out of bounds. Like, he just goes out of bounds when he wants to. I mean, like there's like one to two plays a week, if that, and they're big game, they're big moment plays where maybe you're going to have to take some punishment and you as a quarterback know that, but he's not somebody who's like going out there and like getting punished because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, he's stepping out of bounds, like two yards ahead of a, of an oncoming guy after he's gained like 13, 15, 17 yards. Like it's nothing. And it's like, so they're going to have more of that. They're going to have more of that, whether it's Dobbins or whether it's Ingram. 
you know, with Dobbins, you just might have more of a chance for the same type of run that Lamar Jackson can give you if he gets into the open field, which just makes it even harder. Um, and then you add the dimension of Devin Duvernay, who is one of my favorite picks that the Ravens had, because not that I've read this, but I'm just interested because watching him at Texas, they used him in the red zone and the green zone as a running back. They'd hand him the ball. And you knew they used him as a slot receiver. You saw that he could get – he did some decent work outside. He even showed better skill as a press um, press man um, guy than what you would expect in, in terms of being able to defeat it than the way that I've seen him characterized, which was as a run, running back who's playing wide receiver. I, I don't think that's true. I think he's a bona fide wide receiver who just happens to be able to play some running back too. But I wonder if they're going to use him more as a Danny Woodhead type of player. Like be able to like the how the Ravens had him maybe a little out of the backfield and instead of having Nick Boyle in there all the time because now it's not Andrews and Hayden Hurst maybe what they do is get the same effect out of Devin Duvernay that you can get out of a guy like having two tight ends because now you start him in the backfield or in two backfield sets with alongside of um, Ingram or Dobbins and then you look at the defense and you detach him to a side where you can see whether he gets a one-on-one against a linebacker or, or an undermatched safety, and it becomes an easy throw. Or you can do some things where um, you can you, you can be able to use him maybe as a backside blocker or different looks that make him look more like a tight end, and then and he can be functional in that area, you know. Um, but at the same time, maybe have a play where he runs jet sweeps, you know. And, and works around from that end. So there's angles to that where I see Duvernay having value as a kind of a multidimensional weapon that you can move around. And I'm just wondering if the Ravens are thinking the same thing and just haven't shared that with anybody. Because when I watched it, that's what got me excited when I saw it. So those are my thoughts on the Ravens. Two things wow. on Duvernay. Wow, Matt. Matt, yeah. Matt made me a Ravens fan again. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Bring them back to the fold. Hard Bring them back to, to the right? fold. Man. <laughs> and Chris, I'm, I'm I'm coming to you on this one, so I'm glad you said that. But two things on Duvernay. We got we of course we, we talked about this. I don't know if Matt heard it. We might he might not have been on with us when we did it. But we got to give ourselves the back pat again because Kerry was playing the role of Eric DaCosta. And Chris, you were playing the role of Joe Ortiz, your scouting director. We did our mock draft, and you actually drafted Devin Duvernay. So, nice. <laughs> so we gotta get, I got to give you guys the pat on the back for that. And then um, something I thought about recently, I don't, know, we were, I don't know if I was talking to you guys. I was talking to somebody else on Twitter about Duvernay. And not that I'm comparing him to this player, because I think they're different, clearly. I think they're different, and this kind of dates me, too. But just playing style, just watching him when he has the ball in his hands – he it, running style maybe is more specific than playing style. Running style reminded me of Brian Mitchell, uh, <laughs> just a guy mm-hmm. who's just no nonsense, wow. straight ahead, not like a ton of wiggle, you know, when he's when he's when he's he's a ball carrier, but he's just gonna run through you, right? Or stiff arm you. And Duvernay kind of kind of struck me, and and I went back and looked when I thought about that, and I looked at some of some of Mitchell's numbers, and you know, he had series, he, he had years where he had you know forty to fifty carries. 50 to 60 targets. Obviously, he was an all-pro return guy. Um, you know, was quarterback in college. This is one of these offensive weapon type guys, and I think that's exactly what Matt uh, just just was kind of hitting on with Duvernay. But since you're back, Chris, since you're back on, into the flock, uh, what, do, what do you think about uh, the Ravens, uh, not, not just fantasy uh, sort of perspective this year, but just, you know, just in general? 
I was the one of the main people I'm well one of the main players I'm really excited about is uh Marquise Brown because we saw what he did last year and it was clear that you know his foot was still giving him issues and then he had the the ankle issue uh about midway through the season that he dealt with and I mean he still played phenomenally I mean you look at the the Titans game and it was sort of a coming out party for him because he was the only guy who could catch a lick that game and now all you see is is uh, these reports of him being, you know, faster than he was last year. He's 20, 20, 23 pounds heavier than he was this time last year. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, the guy had had foot surgery last year. He couldn't work out. He couldn't do what he needed to do to, you know, put on the weight that that he was at. So, of course, he was playing underweight last year because he came off a of freaking surgery. So what what do you expect him to do? So now he had a full health uh, full healthy off season, and he has a year in the system where he's gotten acclimated to the program and the speed of it. And now I just it feels like a crescendo just building up about him. And this year it just feels like it's gonna pop, and we're really gonna see the Marquise Brown that we saw at OU, and we're gonna see him in the NFL this year. As long as he stays healthy, I really feel like the the Ravens finally got a number one receiver with this guy. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's been anything that Ravens fans have kind of coalesced together around this year more than Marquise Brown workout videos. Like we've <laughs> just been drooling over these workout videos, right, and seeing how this guy has tran- you know transformed his body, seeing you know him running you know uh, more more healthy and at full speed and so the expectations um yeah he's a first round you know he's a first round pick so obviously the expectations were always high but i think you know there's been so much talk about oh he's gonna blow up he's gonna explode this year you know i i hope you know look i'm here for all and i absolutely want it um but you know i always get nervous when the hype gets like that, oh, this is the, it's the it's the long suffering Ravens. You know, we've never had an offense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, just that. But I think with Lamar, you gotta you gotta throw all those off, right? Throw all of that off. Right? And, and you you know what? It, it's 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 just one clip, but that clip of him going one on one against Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. I get it. It's one on one. There's no pass rush, but. Marlon Humphrey, if not if he's not the most physical, he's one of the most physical cornerbacks in the league. And Marlon got his hands on him, and he he dealt with it. It it didn't slow him down. He was able to to you know use his body and the, the added weight that he has now in order to get out of that jam and, and hand fight him and get past uh, Marlon Humphrey. And to me, that I don't think we would have saw that last year with with him being one fifty three or however. Uh, whatever his weight was but i just i feel like it's like we've we've seen him put in the work and now it's he's he's just like right there on the cusp of executing that all that work and and the flashes that we saw last year i feel like we're going to see it this year i'm going to come to you now carrie and i remember that clip i've seen that clip and yeah i mean he he had to he had to get humphrey's hand off him like three separate times because, uh, you know, that that's that's how, <laughs> how locked in uh, Marlon had his hand on it. But the thing that was the most special to me about that, because it was a double move, was the stop and the restart and the acceleration. I mean, it was it was Seamless. freaky, it was freaky uh, to, to see just how fast he got up to top speed. Uh, OK, but now, Kerry, 
let's 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 finish this up with you with uh with sort of your your perspective on the ravens from fantasy perspective or just you know uh, sort of general offensive or even defense we haven't talked about the defense but anyway um what are your thoughts yeah i'm just looking forward to uh just a potential uh adding of layers i think uh you know matt touched on a couple of things that are big for me just expanding the passing game um outside the hashes um Quietly, one of the things that the Ravens didn't really have a lot of uh, last year that um, Duvernay has is, you know, that that scheme touch threat that, you know, guy that, you know, you can get the ball in uh, space, tunnel screens and things like that. And, you know, he can make some things happen. Uh, so I think it's, you know, that's a couple of things where you can add some layers to the attack, which is already a you know strong attack. And. I just think something that's really unique about this team compared to other teams is they can come out in heavy personnel and they have a 300 pound fullback and a big tight end and Nick Boyle and they can bludgeon you, but they have enough home run threats that they can put in that same personnel package to make you make decisions. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, obviously, now you're adding a home run threat in the backfield with uh, J.K. Dobbins. And, you know, if you put Marquise Brown on one side, Duvernay on the other side, now you got two guys that, you know, that are running 4-3 on the outside. Hey, you know, defenses have to make decisions based off of that. And, you know, the, the Ravens are in a good spot where they can kind of dictate terms in that way. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward um, to them, you know, seeing some creativity as far as uh, Duvernay goes, uh, seeing the expansion of the passing game, but then seeing how they leverage that heavy package and, and some of the things they can do out of it. Yeah. So, so now I think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a little, a little plug in for the Ravens defense, but we're going to, we're going to go to, to what I think is the most interesting part of everything we've talked about here today. And it won't have anything to do with football, but anyway, uh, just quick on the defense. Um, we know how good they were last year. Uh, we know the secondary, right? We, we know all the guys that they've got back there. You get Tavon Young back, uh, one of the better young slot cornerbacks in the league. Um, you add Calais Campbell. You add Derek Wolf. You draft Patrick Queen. You draft Malik Harrison, Justin Matabike. Uh, they got a chance to be special, um, in my opinion. I mean, there, there's, there's some new parts that have to be integrated. Wink runs a pretty complicated scheme, so it's not easy. But uh, they've got a chance to be special on that side of the ball. Um, This is the end of part one of a two-part show we did with Matt. In part two, we'll get into some non-football topics with Matt, like how he got into fantasy and football analysis, advice for anyone looking to get their start in the fantasy industry, and some social justice issues. Give it a listen. We think you'll enjoy it.